Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 2. And of course, Luke chapter 2 is one of the passages in Scripture where we find the Christmas story. And we are continuing this morning in a series we started uh, several weeks ago on the subject of the nativity. We are setting the characters of the Christmas story, not necessarily preaching through the Christmas story, although we'll be preaching through the Christmas story in the series, but we're looking at um, all of the different characters that took place in the Christmas story. If you remember, we started uh, several weeks ago uh, with a sermon on Joseph, and uh, we talked about how Joseph was the most overlooked character of the Christmas story. And then last week, I preached a sermon about Mary, and in comparison to Joseph, and in contrast to Joseph, Joseph being the most overlooked character of the Christmas story, Mary is probably the most overemphasized character of the Christmas story. And we talked about Mary and learned some things about Mary last week. This morning, we're going to look at the next characters in the Christmas story, and that is the shepherds. And I've entitled the sermon, The Shepherds, the Delegation of the Poor. Uh, because it really wasn't one shepherd that shows up uh, to, the, to the birth of Christ, but it was a, a delegation. It was a body of representatives. The word delegation means body of representatives, and I truly believe that the shepherds were a body of representatives. They were chosen by God for a very specific reason, and we're going to look at that this morning. And I want to give you several things to consider regarding the shepherds, and maybe you can jot these down on the back of your course. The week, of course, is a place for you to take down uh, some notes the first thing I'd like you to notice is the message given to the shepherds. The message given to the shepherds. We see it here in Luke chapter 2. I want you to notice verse 7, Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says this, And she, and that of course is referring to Mary, brought forth her firstborn son. And of course that's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a, man, in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country... Shepherds. Of course, this is our topic for this morning. The Bible says there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I want you to notice something that I think maybe, you know, this obviously this account of Scripture is a very well-known, very famous portion of Scripture. You've probably heard it read many times in your lifetime. And maybe you have considered this, maybe you haven't. I think this is interesting that when we consider the message given to the shepherds, what we find is that the Lord, God, chooses to send a delegation to a delegation. We find the shepherds who are the delegation of the poor, but then we see these angels who are the delegation of the heavenly. And I'm going to preach a whole sermon about the angels at some point in the series. But I want you to notice here that God sends these angels. He begins with the angel of the Lord, verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon, and I want you to notice the emphasis, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Upon who? The shepherds abiding in the field. The angel of the Lord came upon them. Notice, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Who's the them? The shepherds in the field. And they were sore afraid. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly, so get the story. You have these shepherds, the Bible tells us. They're abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. They're out just in the field. It's nighttime. Uh, they're probably 
resting. We don't know exactly what time it was. Maybe they were asleep. Maybe they're getting ready uh, to go to sleep. They're going to be spending the night uh, under the stars, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon them. Singular. One angel comes upon them, but the glory of the Lord shone round about them. So there's this angel with the glory of God, the shining of God upon them, and this angel gives them this message, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then he instructs them, and, ye shall, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe. He tells them about the babe, and then he tells them how to find the babe, how to identify the babe. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then the Bible says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel, singular, a multitude of heavenly hosts, and how many that was and what that is, we don't know, but the Bible says a multitude, and I would imagine that it was a lot. A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. What's interesting to me is that these lowly shepherds, these poor shepherds, these individuals, we don't even know their names. We don't even, I mean, I look forward one day in heaven to uh, meeting the shepherds. You know, I think we'll spend probably all of eternity fellowshipping and getting to know each other. And maybe one day I'll walk up to someone and, and they'll say, I was, I was one of the shepherds in, in the book of Luke, chapter 2. That's me. I was there. And I look forward to meeting these men. But the, these shepherds were really, by society standards, nobody. They were no one. But they got this heavenly host. I mean, they got this amazing birth announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel Lord appears to them, speaks to them. The glory of the Lord shines around them. Then you have like a singing telegram, uh, this multitude of heavenly hosts that appear and begin to praise God and say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. I think it's amazing that God would send a heavenly host to a delegation of the poor, to these lowly shepherds. Now, what's interesting, and you might think, well, I don't know, maybe you're making a bigger deal about that than, than you should. What's interesting is when you compare it to the other characters of the Christmas story. Let's just do that real quickly. Keep your place there in Luke chapter 2. That's our text for this morning, but go back with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 2. If you go backwards, you go past the book of Mark into the book of Matthew, and I think you'll see that maybe I'm not just reading into it. You might think, well, maybe you're just reading into it. This is part of the Christmas story. Is this how it's supposed to go? And I understand that. But what's interesting to me is when you compare the announcement that the shepherds got in comparison to the announcement that everyone else got. Because there are other characters in the Christmas story. Of course, uh, Joseph gets the Gabriel who comes and tells him, and we would expect that. Mary gets Gabriel, who comes and tells her about what's in her womb, and we would expect that. Then these shepherds get not just an angel, but they get the angel Lord, and then they get this heavenly host. Let's compare that to what other individuals got. What were the other characters in the Christmas story? Well, the other characters of the Christmas story, which we'll actually be talking about next week, is the wise men. How did the wise men find out about the birth of Christ? Look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men... From the east to Jerusalem. Now we know, and I'm not going to preach about the wise men this morning because we'll deal with that next week, but we know that these were wealthy men. They came with a lot of wealth and they were powerful men. The Bible calls them wise men. Obviously, they were intelligent men. 
There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So the wise men show up, and they know about the birth of Christ, and they show up into town, and they're asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, did the shepherds have to ask, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the answer is no, because the shepherds knew exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. An angel had already communicated that to them. But the wise men, we see right off the bat that they know what they're looking for, but they don't really know what they're looking for because nothing has really been communicated to them in a sense uh, of using language or description because the Bible says in verse 2, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Question mark. They come in looking for Jesus with a question mark. Here's why. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Here's what's interesting. The shepherds get a heavenly host announcing the birth of Christ. A heavenly chorus, a heavenly choir of angels telling them exactly who was born, where to find him, how to identify him, and this singing choir to finish off the, the message. The wise men who are wealthy, who are important, who immediately get a... Uh, get, get a uh, a meeting with the king, what do they get? They got an angel, they got a star. And I would say it this way, they only got a star. That's it. Now maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but I think that's interesting. The wise men get a star that tells them something's happening. The shepherds get these angels explaining to them, pushing them on, telling them exactly what to look for. So we see that the shepherds got a heavenly host to announce the birth of Christ. The wise men got a star. They only got a star. Now, a star is pretty cool. I mean, it gets you in the Christmas story, and you get to sing all these great songs about we three kings and looking for the star. I mean, it's a great story, but they only got a star. I don't know about you, but if I got to insert myself into the Christmas story, I'd rather get an angel. I'd rather get a host of heavenly singing or singing choir than a star somewhere off uh, uh, and that we have to go and search for and we come into town not knowing exactly what we're looking for, knowing we're looking for something. So we see that the shepherds got a heavenly host. The wise men got a star. What about the king? Look at verse 3, Matthew 2 and verse 3. When Herod the king, isn't the king pretty important? When Herod the king had heard these things, he heard these things from who? From the wise men. He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. Here's what I want you to understand. The shepherds got a heavenly host, the wise men got a star, and the king gets nothing. He just hears it from the wise men. Now you say, well, why is that interesting? Here's why that's interesting. Because if you and I were writing the Christmas story, if you and I were in charge of the Christmas story, here's what the average human would have done. He would have sent the angel and the choir of angels to the king. Isn't that true? They might have sent the stars still to the wise men, and they would have let the shepherds just hear about it from somebody else. But in the Christmas story, we see that the message is given to the shepherds. The shepherds get a heavenly host, an announcement of the birth of Christ. The wise men only get a star. And God allows the king to hear from somebody else. Now, I'd like you to keep your place there in Luke, if you would, and go with me to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter number 46. 
Should be fairly easy to find. It's the first book in the Bible, Genesis 46. I begin this morning by highlighting for you the message given to the shepherds. I hope you got it. The shepherds got a heavenly host to announce the birth of Christ. The wise men only got a star. They got a star, but they only got a star to announce the birth of Christ. And the king didn't get anything. He heard it from the wise men. Say, why do you make a big deal about this? Here's why I make a big deal about it. Because when we consider the message given to the shepherds, it highlights for us the message exemplified through the shepherds. See, in the message that was literally, physically, audibly given to the shepherds, it is my opinion that there was a message that was being exemplified through the shepherds. The message given to the shepherds gives us a message that we see through the shepherds. And you say, what is that message? Well, here's what I want you to understand. In Bible times, the shepherd was a position looked down upon. Let me just give you a couple of, of examples of this. Genesis 46, look at verse 3. Genesis 46 and verse 3. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you. Genesis 46, 3. And I realize that we're just jumping into the middle of a story, so let me just kind of catch you up with the context. This is Joseph. If you remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And fast forward, he's the second in command in, in Egypt. His brothers show up to Egypt needing food because of a famine, and he reveals himself. All of that has happened at this point. They've made up. Joseph has forgiven them. And now Joseph is going to introduce them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, at this time, would be like the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world. And here's what Joseph says, and it shall come to pass, he's, he's, he's preparing his brothers to meet Pharaoh, which I, you know, I think is probably a wise thing to do. He says, and it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you, this is Joseph speaking to his brethren, and shall say, what is your occupation? He says, Pharaoh's going to ask you, what do you do for a living? What is your occupation? Verse 34, Genesis 46, 34. That ye shall say, this is Joseph coaching his brothers, thy servants' trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. Notice what Joseph is telling his brothers. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. He said, look, when you get there, he's going to ask you, what is your job? What is your trade? You tell him that you have been about cattle. And then that'll cause them to give you a land that's separated from the Egyptians, the land of Goshen. If you remember when we fast forward into the book of Exodus and Moses shows up with his ten plagues, the children of Israel were separated from the Egyptians in the land of Goshen. All those plagues did not affect them in Goshen as it did in, in, in the land of Egypt. And of course, they were protected by God in Goshen. But this is how they got that land. Pharaoh gives them. Uh, Joseph is, is prompting them and saying, you tell them that your uh, occupation is being about the cattle because then he'll give you the land of Goshen. And here's why. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And what I want to show you is that in their culture, being a shepherd was not a great job. It was not a job that you would really put someone that you really respected or someone that it wasn't this high-paying, powerful position. It was just kind of something that anyone could do. And in fact, the Egyptians looked down. If you said, I'm a shepherd, they would look down upon you for having that as a job. Let me give you another example. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
1 Samuel 16 and verse 11, if you're there in Genesis, you go past the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 11, the Bible says this, And Samuel said unto Jesse, and again, we're kind of jumping in the middle of a context. Let me just catch you up. God, at this point in the history of the children of Israel, has rejected Saul as being king, and he has sent Samuel out to find a new king. Now, you know the end of the story. We know the end of the story, that David will be chosen as the next king, the second king of Israel. This is Samuel looking for David, 1 Samuel 16, 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? Now, the reason that he asked the question, are here all thy children, is because Jesse brings all his sons. And Samuel knows he's looking for someone, but like the wise men, doesn't know exactly who he's looking for. If you remember the story, Samuel saw the eldest, and he saw that he was tall and he was strong, and he said, surely the chosen of the Lord you know, is before my eyes. And, and God, of course, gives him that famous verse, and he says, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. And he said, don't just judge him because he's tall and strong that he's who I want. He says, that's not who I want. And he goes through all the sons and he says, no, 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 no. And Samuel's a little confused because he's like, I know it's one of your sons, but God has not chosen any of them. So he asks this question, which is kind of an odd question. He says, are here all thy children? Because honestly, put yourself in this place. If Samuel, the prophet, the priest, the judge, the spiritual leader and political leader of the nation of Israel, obviously other than King Saul, shows up and says, God has sent me to anoint the next king of Israel, and it's one of your sons. I need to meet with all your sons. Wouldn't you bring all your sons? But apparently Jesse brings all except one. Are here all thy children. Now, I, I emphasize that to say this. This ought to let you know how they felt about David. What they thought about David. Obviously, they didn't think David was going to be chosen by God to be king. So they don't think very much of David. Samuel asked the question, are, are here all thy children? And Jesse, I would imagine, kind of sheeplessly says... And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he's not that important. In fact, he's so unimportant that we didn't even bring him to the meeting. And behold, notice what he does, he keepeth the sheep. Notice that they gave the least important job to who they considered the least important person. And I just want to show you, this is how... The shepherds were looked upon. It was something that you gave to the youngest child, something you didn't really worry about. And we could, I could run other verses. I'm not going to take the time to do it. But if you remember Jacob, when Jacob leaves his, his home with Isaac and he shows up uh, to, to the land where Laban, his, father, uh, who, the, his uncle, who ends up being his father-in-law, lives. If you remember when he shows up, all of the... Uh, individuals, all the individuals that were watching the sheep are all uh, uh, just waiting around the well. The well has a stone on it. They all have to wait to be able to work together to remove the stone because none of them can remove it on their own. Why was that? If you remember, Rachel, the youngest daughter of Laban, was the one who was watching the sheep. And of course, Jacob removes the stone and all those things. The point that I'm making is this. When you look at the shepherds in the Bible... It's not 
a very important job. The shepherd was a position looked down upon in biblical time. It was the kind of job you gave to your youngest child, male or female. It was the kind of job that in Pharaoh they would look down upon and they would think that the shepherds were an abomination. The shepherd was a position looked down upon in biblical times. Now here's what's also interesting. You're there in 1 Samuel. Go to Psalm 23, if you would. Psalm 23. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Psalm 23, or you can go past 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages of Scripture, but I want you to know it. And here's what's interesting. I want you to see it. And here's what's interesting. Not only was the shepherd a position looked down upon in biblical times, but the shepherd also, interestingly, was how God identified himself the most with. Look at Psalm 23, verse 1. Most famous psalm in the Bible, one of the most famous scriptures of the Bible. Here's how it begins. The Lord. See that word Lord? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is Jehovah God. That is the I am that I am. The Lord, notice these words, is my shepherd. I shall not want. Just a side note, it probably, it probably brought a lot of joy to David, who was a shepherd, to write the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice that the Lord identified himself as a shepherd, not just in the Old Testament, but also famously in the New Testament. Let's look at some verses real quickly. Go to the New Testament. Go to the, uh, the book of John. If you kept your place there in Luke, go to John. Just right after Luke, you have the book of John, John chapter 10. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. In the Old Testament, David famously wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord, Jehovah God, is my shepherd, I shall not want. John 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And I'm not preaching on this necessarily, but I, I, let me just say this. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he's referring back to Psalm 23, and this is a testament to his deity. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Look at verse 14, same chapter. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. It's interesting to me. Go to Hebrews if you would. Hebrews chapter 13. If you go backwards from the book of Revelation and go backwards, you have Jude. Then you have, uh, you have third, second and first John, second and first Peter, James, and then the book of Hebrews. All right, so Revelation, Jude, uh, second and first, uh, third and second, first John, second and first Peter, James, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter thirteen. We actually have been looking at this in our study in Hebrews, but I want you to see it this morning. Hebrews chapter thirteen and verse twenty. Hebrews thirteen twenty. The Bible says this. Now the God of peace that brought again the dead, that God that that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. I just want you to notice how Jesus is described. Our Lord Jesus, that great Shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Jesus described in the entire Bible as a shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. God said, the Bible says, of God, the Lord is my shepherd. So here's what's interesting. The shepherd was a position looked down upon in biblical times. The shepherd is what God and Jesus identified themselves the most with. And here's what I want you to understand. Go, go back to Luke chapter 2. That the shepherd being the lowest member of society gets the highest priority 
when it comes to delivering the message of the birth of Christ, the Savior of the world. Look at it again, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, not king, not wise men, but shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring, notice the emphasis, you, shepherds, you, I bring you good tidings. The term good tidings means good news. And, and we know that the, the, the word gospel means good news and good tidings. These are all used interchangeably. And this angel says, I bring you, shepherd. I bring you, uh, the most lowest member of society. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, here's what I want you to say. He says, I'm bringing you tidings that shall be to all people. And look, nothing in the Bible is in there incidentally. Nothing is there coincidentally. Everything is there for a reason. The angel says, I'm bringing you the message that shall be to all people, verse 11, for unto you. Unto who? Unto you, shepherd. Unto you, poor, lowly, forgotten, looked down upon, maybe discriminated against, individual. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What is the purpose of this? What is the point that you're trying to make? And here's the point that I want you to gather. If the angels had announced the birth of Christ to the wise men, if the angels had announced the birth of Christ to a king, the way you and I would have done it, then the common man, the lowly shepherd boy, might have looked on that and said, that's not for me. Jesus came for kings. Jesus came for wise men. Jesus came for rich men. Now please listen to me. Jesus came for everyone. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did come for kings and he did come for wise men. He did come for rich men. But he also came for not so wise men. He also came for not so rich men. He came for powerful men and not so powerful men. He came for men of status and not so powerful, not so impressive, not so rich individuals. And if the angels had announced the birth of Christ to the wise men or the king, then the common man, the lowly man, the humble man, the poor man might have thought, that's not for me. But when the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds, when they said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. When the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherd, then there was confirmation that if the message was for the shepherds, then it was truly for all. Amen. If the shepherds were included, then it really was good tidings unto all people. I think it's interesting that God emphasizes shepherds. And by the way, as you study the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus always emphasized the poor. He always emphasized the broken, the forgotten. The message to the shepherd tells us that the message truly was for all. See, the message given to the shepherds exemplifies for us what God wanted to exemplify through the shepherds, which is this. That if the message was for the shepherds, then it was for everyone. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love the words we sing. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. 
and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise, we let all within us praise his holy name. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, the birth of Christ really was a thrill of hope for those who were lost, for those who were forgotten, for those who were despised. So we see the message given to the shepherds. The shepherds got a heavenly host. The wise men only got a star. The king got nothing. We see the message exemplified through the shepherds. The shepherds was a position looked down upon, and if the shepherds, the lowest members of society, if they got the message, if they were included in the message, then all were included in the message. And then I'd like you to notice thirdly this morning, the message shared by the shepherds. Notice the response of the shepherds, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And when we get to the sermon on the angels, we'll break down everything they said. But look at verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us, notice these words, now go. Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us, verse 16, and they came with, notice this word, haste. The word haste means excessive speed, with hurry. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I won't uh, touch on it too much. We'll talk about it next week when I preach about the wise men. But let me just give you a little, uh, and some of you know this as you've been part of our church, and some of you may not know this, but the wise men did not come with haste. In fact, the wise men showed up two years later. The, the wise men showed up late. The nativity scene where you have the shepherds and the wise men there, that's not real. The wise men showed up late, but you know who did not show up late was the shepherds because they came with haze. I wonder if the reason that God decided to give the birth announcement to the shepherds was because he knew that they would respond immediately. See, like we often know, and it's this, that the poor, the shepherds, were the most receptive. They said, let's go. Let us now go and see the thing which has come to pass. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I think God chose the shepherds because of their response. And we should have the same response. When God has made something known unto you and unto I, we should go with haste. You should respond immediately. I want you to notice that these shepherds were receptive. And look, this is something that I've thought about recently and maybe weighing on my heart. You probably know this about our church. I hope you know this. But we strive here at Verity Baptist Church to do everything with excellence. Amen. To the best of our ability, within our ability, we just believe that the, the Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. 
So we always try to do things with excellence. Every service, we try to do things with excellence. I think the, the orchestra plays beautifully every week. Today, they played beautifully. The offering today was beautiful. The singing today was planned and prepared. The sermons, the messages are planned and prepared. We start on time. We have a plan. We have ushers who know what they're doing. They're where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be. We, we try to do everything around here with excellence. And, and we always try to do, and, and we think that's the right thing to do. We should always give God our best. One thing that concerns me, and one thing that I've always, let me just say, in the past and up to this point in our ministry, I've always kind of chuckled because we've had these other circumstances that maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the wrong way to word it, and forgive me if I'm not using the right terminology, but we have these other circumstances that have kind of humbled us. You say, like what? Like holding services next to a methadone clinic, across the street from a welfare office. Um, and it's always been interesting to me, you know, that people drive in here with their nice, you know, expensive vehicles and whatever and, and come to church next to a methadone clinic. Praise God for it. Amen. You know, the cro- at the cross, both the shepherd and the wise men meet. Amen. And, and, and I, hope, I hope that maybe as people, maybe this was your experience when you first uh, came to our church. Maybe you drove in here and you thought, what is this about? But I hope that maybe as you took the first step into the building and as you were greeted by a guest profe- uh, by an usher professionally and as our church family was friendly and as you came in and you saw that the service was professional, you saw that we've done our best to make this place look as nice as possible, as professional as possible, to have services with excellence, that you thought to yourself, wow, this is a stand-up act. My concern, my concern is this, that here in maybe a month or two or six, depending on how many of you show up to the work days, we're going to move into a new 400-seat auditorium on four acres. Beautiful building, amazing property. I mean, I don't know how many tens of thousands of cars drive by that property every day. And of course, we're remodeling it and we're fixing it up and, 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 and we're getting there. But one day, it's going to be a beautiful building because we're going to do it with excellence. And there's going to be these beautiful pillars and beautiful steeple and you'll walk into the auditorium and it'll be, uh, it, it, it'll be impressive and it'll be nice and it'll be high class and I think it should be and we should give God our best. But my concern is that we might then get this idea that we're this kind of highbrow church. And let us always remember that the shepherds are always welcomed here. The poor are always welcomed here. The poor we have with us always, and no matter how nice the building gets, no matter how big the choir gets, no matter how fancy the orchestra gets, no matter how how big the crowds are or how nice the property is, hey, let's always remember that the emphasis is to love everyone, including the poor. We see the reception of the shepherds. It was swift. But then I'd like you to notice the report of the shepherds. Look at verse 15. This is amazing to me. I think it's amazing. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord, notice don't miss this, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You know what the shepherds knew? 
You know what the shepherds were clearly in tune with and clearly aware of? Is that they were let in on something that they probably, if it was anyone other than God, would not have been let in on. <laughs> they were given a message and they're probably thinking to themselves, who do these guys think we are? They must have confused us for the king. You kind of look like Herod. Do angels get confused? Why did they give us the message? We're not popular. We're not powerful. We're not uh, uh, of authority. We don't have any money. They said, we don't know why and we don't understand why and we don't understand how. But here's what we do know. That a message has been made known unto us. And something they understood was made known unto them. And then they had a responsibility. They understood that something was made known unto them. And then they were responsible to make it known unto others. Look at it. Look at the last part of verse 15. Which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. It's interesting to me. I don't know if you find it interesting, but it's amazing to me that these shepherds innately, intensely understood that something was made known unto them, and if it was made known unto them, they should make it known unto others. This is a soul-winning church. No matter how fancy the building gets, this will be a soul-winning church. And the underlying motivation to be a soul winner should be this. Something was made known unto me. Someone took the time to share the gospel of salvation. Somebody took the time to take me aside and explain to me that I was a sinner and that I deserved to go to hell as a result for my sin. But God loved me and sent the Son to die on the cross to pay for my sins and I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to earn it. It, it didn't matter how religious I was. It didn't matter how good I was. I didn't have to keep any commandments. I didn't have to repent of any sins. All I had to do was put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon Him for salvation. And the moment I did that, I received salvation and eternal life. I received the gift of salvation and I had it forever. Someone, if you're saved this morning, somebody share that with you. Amen. And because that has been made known to us, we should make that known to others. Amen. And I'll never understand. And look, if, this, if you're not a soul winner this morning, I'm not mad at you, but I, I, I do want to be clear with you. I will never understand the individual who says, Someone cared enough about me to give me the gospel, but I'm not going to tell others. I'm not going to make it known to others. Someone cared enough about my soul to keep me from going to hell, but let the rest go to hell. Paul said it this way, if our gospel be hid, it is hit to them that are lost. I like that song we sing, we the children sing, this little light of mine, 
I'm going to let it shine. The glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that we should make known. It's something that we should let shine. What's interesting to me about these shepherds is that they were not just shepherds. They were soul winners. They understood that the Lord hath made known something unto us. And if the Lord has made known something unto us, verse 15, then we need to make known abroad to others, verse 17. Something was made known to us. And we need to make it known unto others. Why were the shepherds chosen? I think because they were receptive. Why were the shepherds chosen? I think because they were willing to report to others what had been made known unto them. Look at it again, verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying. They didn't keep it. They didn't hide it. They told everyone else. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the soul winners, by the shepherds. Let's finish this up. Look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Notice it again. As it was told unto them. You know what the birth of Christ meant for the shepherds? It meant meant that they were included. The shepherds probably didn't get invitations to the parties. They probably didn't get invitations to the social gatherings. They, didn't prob- they probably did not have individuals go out of their way to open doors of opportunities for the shepherds. I mean, would you agree with that? It was unusual for someone like Joseph, a man of power and, and prestige, to introduce shepherds to a pharaoh. That was unusual. He had to coach them. He said, this is not something that's normally done. We see it in the story of David. Samuel shows up and says, I'm looking to hire someone. And they say, talk to everyone except the shepherd. The shepherds were usually discluded. The shepherds were usually not included. But the birth of Christ teaches us this. The message of Christ to the shepherd, it teaches the shepherds and it tells the shepherds that they were included. That the message of salvation was for them as well. The birth and the message of Christ to the shepherd gave the shepherds the opportunity to be included. And because the shepherds were included, then they turned around and included others. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. That night changed everything for the shepherds. They were included, so they included. Let us be like the shepherds. We've been included. We're accepted in the beloved. We've been brought into the family of God. So let's turn around. Let others know. Because of our gospel, we hid. It is hid to them that are lost. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.
Lord, we love you. We thank you for the story of the shepherds and the lessons we can learn from it. The shepherds were included when, all, when in all society they would be discluded. And as a result, they turned around and included others. Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us to learn that. If the message was the shepherds, and it's for all. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Lord, help us to always remember that we something has been made known to us. Let us never forget that. Let us be thankful for that. And then let us turn around and make that known to others. In the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that we do have these clipboards out there uh, for the work days uh, this weekend.